If you would, turn to Romans, the first chapter, and we'll be reading verses 18 uh, through 32 for our uh, lesson this morning. Um, I put in the bulletin kind of an outline for this morning and this afternoon's lesson, so you can follow along. I don't, didn't do PowerPoint. That's my PowerPoint for you on paper. Hopefully there's room you can make some notes if you so desire. It's a shortened uh, outline because there's only so much room in there. But uh, if you would, again, Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 in, in our uh, Bible study this morning, it was interesting some of the stuff that was talked about, I think, fit nicely in our lesson today, talking about the wrath of God, especially that last part in Second Chronicles uh, 34 was talking about Josiah and some of the verses we read. And we, we may refer to those uh, within our lesson as kind of a reminder there. But the scriptures speak of the coming day of God's wrath. And if we look at the revealing, uh, you know, the righteous judgment of God, we understand that. Romans chapter 2 and in verse 4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering? not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. So we will suffer the wrath of God in some way, shape, or form if we're not following God's word. And so we're going to have a day of judgment of the ungodly. Second Peter chapter 3 and in verse 7 tells us, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And so we do and understand that there is the fullness of God's righteous indignation is made known to us. We know that God is going to take care of the unrighteous. And the scriptures also speak of how God's wrath has already come. If we look in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, it talks about it's revealed from heaven and it's against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Verse 18 would tell us that here in just a moment. We'll read it. But, you know, it's a foretaste of God's righteous indignation that is man manifested. And why does God manifest this foretaste of His wrath? How does He express His righteous in indignation even now? long before the day of judgment. And long is, of course, relative. We don't know, you know what that may be. It may be long to us, but uh, it's not that long to God. But still, it's before the day of judgment. So look with me again in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18, and we can find the answers in here. Starting in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. 
Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their, their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do uh, the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And so that's our reading for this morning. And one of the things that is always interesting here is it names, starting in verse 28 and 29, uh, through the end of, of what we just read, it talks about murder. And yet at the same time, it talks about unloving, all tied together. And so from that, God is not um, going to be too willing to uh, overlook some things whenever He is listing all these things together. Whisperers, backbiters, and yet then also listed in there with murderers, malicious, covetousness. So why does God manifest His wrath? Well, first of all, it's because man stifles God's revealed truth. You know, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 18 told us, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So they're rejecting what is true, and they're justifying what is ungodly and unrighteous. And it seems like it seems to be around us more and more today, but it's not new. All we got to do is open up the book jump back in a little few uh, ways back and see Sodom and Gomorrah as a, as a prime example of some of that stuff. So it's nothing new. They're spurning what God has revealed. Romans 1 and in verse 19 says, Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since creation of the world, the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We have no excuse. The things about God that are manifest in man himself, you know, we can see that. Man's intelligent and in, in his personality. They're implying the same of his creator. Men's uh, sense of ought is implying a righteous creator. The things about God that are manifest in, in creation around him, we can see that God is clearly the creator. God is around us. God created us. Psalm 19 and in verse 1. Psalm 19 and in verse 1 says, um, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day 
utter speech. And night unto night reveals knowledge. So we have these invisible attributes of God. They are seen and understood by things that are visible. There is design. There is order of the universe. And that is uh, there. And what it does is it implies that we have a creator, a person with eternal power, a deity. God created us. Just as we create things around us, there's an expectation as the creator of the function of what we create. And, you know, I think of, of a train set because, you know, it's pretty intricate or can get that way if you look at it. There's an expectation of where everything goes. There's the expectation of what the track is going to do. It's going to carry that train. That train has an expectation to follow the track. And if it derails, it's not doing that and something's going to happen. And hopefully, you know, you don't lose your temper and, and cause issues. But at the same time, you correct that. You understand what it's supposed to do. And if it doesn't work, you're not happy about that. God has an expectation of us. He created us. And if, he's, if we're not doing what He expects, He's not going to be happy with us. And so when man fails to listen to the beauty and design of the universe that declares God exists, God's going to be angry about that. And one of the other reasons that you know, he stifles uh, God's revealed truth is because we're ungrateful. We're foolish. We're not being thankful for, to God. You know, it tells us that in verse 21. It says, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. And so they knew Him, but they failed to glorify Him. And they, it's becoming futile in their thoughts and foolish in their hearts. Verse 21 continues to say, "...become futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things." And so, you know, the consequences of not glorifying God leads us into idolatry. You know, the worship of the creation instead of the Creator. And we tend to do that. We start making God into our own image. We start making God into the image of other animate objects and claiming that that is a God. And then we forget who God truly is. God is not that animate object. He is our creator. And we, we see that today, and it's, it's always happened. We have secular humanism where we're worshiping ourselves. I'm more important than anyone around me, and, and uh, we see a lot of people do that. We have covetousness, worshiping of, of money and things of that nature. Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 5 says, For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God or Christ in God. And so we don't need to be part of that. If we're covetousness, we're not going to have that inheritance in the kingdom of God. If we've got a lot of things, we're not going to have that inheritance. Colossians 3 and verse 5 says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So we need to be paying attention to the things that are around us and always putting God first. And when man ceases to be thankful to God and esteems created things over him, then God is not going to be happy about that. God is going to be angry. You know, the wrath of God at the last day will invoke a fiery end. 
We know that. 2 Peter 3 and verse 10 tells us, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And if you start thinking about that burned up, what does it take? What kind of heat does it take to make steel in the shape that we want it to be or make lots of things that we want it to be? And that's a little small thing to heat up. And you've got the whole earth at that level. Of course, we're, we're done before that ever gets there. But at the same time, the type of heat that's being described. 2 Thessalonians 1 and in verse 7 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 7 says, And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of, our, of the Lord and from the glory of His power. And so we know there are folks out there that they claim they believe in God, but that's as far as they go. I believe there's, there's God. But then they don't follow things through, or they, they believe in God in their way. So believing in God is one thing, but then it follows up. It's not or, but it says and. It says, flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that means it is His gospel, not our version of what the gospel is. If we're misinterpreting it in our own fashion, making it what we want it to be versus what God and His Son expects it to be, then we are foolish. And all we're doing is putting ourselves into everlasting destruction. Verse 9, they shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. So we know what's going to happen at the end. And if we look at this morning, um, what we had read in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 34, starting in verse 19, it says, Thus it happened, when the king heard the words of the law, that he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam, the son of Shapham, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shapham, the scribe, and Isaiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel, for Judah and Judah, concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. We must be doing all that is uh, written in the book. But the thing about it is, is in this time, the wrath was, was happening then. God took out His wrath then. And in fact, it talks about that if we look in, in starting in verse 23, where it says, Then she answered them, the, the prophetess, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the men who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants, all the curses that are written in the book, which they have read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be poured out on this place and not be quenched. 
And then it goes on in verse 26 talking about, But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, and you humbled yourselves before me, and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants. And so God had said, my wrath is going to be upon you. Luckily, in you know, Josiah's case, you know, he saw what needed to be done and did it. But things are going to happen. There was some consequences that happened then. Well, what about for us today? You know, how does God manifest uh, His wrath on us today? Well, it tells us in verse 24, it says, Therefore God also gave them up. He gave them up. It says that there's not going to be, you know, fire coming down from heaven, striking you down necessarily, but simply leaving man to his own desires, to moral uncleanness. Verse 24 says, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. He left them to their moral uncleanness in their lusts of their hearts. You know, they were, it's wherever their wicked hearts led them. Mark chapter 7 and in verse 21 gives us an idea. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. And so they are not only just leaving man to his, you know, we're left to our own desires, to moral uncleanness, but we're also dishonoring our bodies in, in a way that, that is not approved by God. And why is that? Because they exchange the truth of God for a lie. And it seems to be more in our face, maybe, obviously it's not any more than it was in, in biblical times, but with social media and the television pushing the stuff in your face that we know is not right according to the gospel, they constantly, you hear them push the truth uh, of God for the, you know, they're exchanging it, the truth of God, and they're living the lie. They want to say that there's nothing wrong with things that are going on that are contrary to the word of God. Romans 1 and verse 25 says, Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever? Amen. And so we start worshiping and serving that which is created. We come up with our own ideas on how God says, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. You're still doing good. It's all fine. Well, there's lots of good things that can be done. But at the same time, if, it, if, it's, if we're worshiping God contrary to His will, we're living the life that is not to His will. It doesn't matter how many good things we do. If we're not living the life that God expects us, it's not going to do us much good in the end, eternally speaking. And so, you know, we, we are given up. We give up. He's given us up to uncleanness. He's given us up to, uh, you know, exchanging that truth of God for a lie. He gives up man to vile passions. He gave them up. Romans uh, 1 and verse 26. He gave them up to vile passions. There's no lightning coming and striking them down for those vile passions. 
but simply leaving man to his vile passions. Romans 1.26 says, For even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Romans 21.27 says, Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And so they're burning in their lust for one another. They're committing what is shameful. They're receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which is due. And it's one that, that people can be upset by that, but that's what God is telling us that we got to be careful for, is if they want to live as a Christian, we've got to give up certain things to be a Christian. We can't live the way that we would like to live and then expect God to say, welcome in my child, son or daughter. We can't do it. God gives up man to debased minds and unrighteousness. Romans 1 and verse 28 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Since they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, then God says, you know, here you go. He gave them over to a debased mind, and that means that they're filled with all unrighteousness. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Lots of things that we've got to watch out for. Things that we may not even think uh, would be a problem, but they are. They know the righteous judgment of God, that they are deserving of death. Romans 1 and verse 32 says uh, that knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So they deserve it. Yet what? They still do it. And then they approve of the others that are doing it as well. God's wrath is manifested today by simply allowing man to go his own way. Our job as Christians is to teach them what the right way is. And it doesn't mean that it's going to, we're going to be an easy path. But we can't step back from it at the same time. We do it in many different ways. We can have direct conversation. We do, as Josiah, uh, we studied this morning, what did he, he was eight years old, became king. He started living this life. At 16 years old, he, he started, you know, changing his life. He saw the, uh, the people around him, saw him change his life. He was living what he preached, ultimately. And we've got to live what we're preaching. You know, you've heard that, do as I say, but not as I do. People see you do before they hear you say, in most cases. And they know what kind of a person you are whenever you're saying one thing and doing another. And we're all guilty of, of doing that in some way, shape, or form. And we just got to understand it, that we got to keep changing it and put, putting God into our hearts, putting God into our lives reading the Word of God and 
It's no different than, than you know, the dieting is always the, the example that I use is those that want to do a diet, you've got to cleanse out all the things that aren't good for you to try to, you know, bring in those things that are good for you. And if they're tempting you, it's not a good thing. And that means that in our everyday lives as a Christian, we've got to feed ourselves the Word of God and keep feeding ourselves to keep pushing out those bad things and then living it. And it is not an easy thing. It's not an easy task in this world, but it never has been. It never has been. So we got to follow, you know, what God wants us to do. Otherwise, we're going to be stumbling in blind ignorance to, to increasing degrees of depravity. Ephesians 4.17 says this, I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in their futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. God's mercy is manifested today for those who are willing to turn back to Him, those who are willing to acknowledge His revelation, those that are given uh, you know, to understanding that He is our Creator, and even more so that it is given through His Son. 1 John 4 and in verse 9 says, In this... The love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Then we are willing to be thankful, not unthankful, but thankful to God. And we're willing to uh, do that with an attitude of gratitude. Colossians 1 and verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And then we're going to show gratitude through repentance. Romans 2 and in verse 4 tells us, Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Are we thankful? Do we look to God for being our God? Look to what His Son did for us, that perfect example of how to live on this earth? Christ did everything exactly as God planned, yet He didn't have that, you know, the rose petals put out in front of Him to, to walk on and the doors opened and everything. He suffered and He died for our sins. He was living the life that God expected Him. And so by living a godly life on this earth doesn't mean that it's going to be the perfect life, but we know that we have that perfect life hereafter when we leave this earth. And that's what we're looking forward to is, is what will happen to us eternally. And so are we thankful? Do we show up by turning from our sins and turning to God? If not, then we have every reason to fear the wrath of God. And we should do so, not just in the day of judgment, but the consequences in this life that God's going to simply give us up to our own desires. And then we're going to suffer eternal for it, eternally for it. So do you feel that you need to change your ways on certain things. We do not want that wrath. That's why we come together every Lord's Day is to study His Word, to encourage one another, to sing songs of encouragement, to partake of the Lord's Supper, do the acts of worship that are there uh, that has been uh, told to us because we love God. We want to please Him and we want to do that. And in fact, this afternoon we're going to talk about the goodness of God. So we get the, you know, the 
bad stuff out of the way, and then we'll talk about some good stuff uh, this afternoon. But with that, if anyone needs the help of the congregation in any way, come forward as we stand and sing.